We here at Sports Best Friends acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land, water and sky throughout Australia on which we record. We recognise their strength, diversity, resilience and deep connection to country. We pay our respects to Elders of the past, present and future as they hold the memories, knowledge and spirit of Australia. Welcome to the Big Cat Chat, a podcast all about the Penrith Panthers. My name is Jack Martin and I'm joined by my co-host Nat Sinclair. Nat, how are you feeling? For the first time all year, I'm feeling sad. (laughs) (laughs) It's finally come the time where we need to dissect a loss on the podcast. So this might be easier for T to listen to (laughs) rather than the constant bragging and, oh, who was the best? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it might be a, a relatable one. Um, yeah, we were we were just trying to be like the rest of our sports best friends family. <laughs> Absolutely, rest yeah. of the network. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're trying so, to see what it's like to be a Titans fan or a Knights fan or a Tigers fan. Exactly right. <laughs> we couldn't even go one sentence without being without being arrogant, <laughs> even in the face of a loss. Yeah. Maybe yeah. after a double loss, you know, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is our first loss of the season. Um, it's never great to lose to Parramatta, but, you know, it's not the end of the world, I guess. Yeah, you know, I think I felt sad the night of because it's just a shit feeling losing. But then the next morning I woke up and I was like, oh, that's a good game. You know, like it, it wasn't a bad game. The game was super intense, super exciting. Um like I look back on like the games we played against Paralek last year in the final and I remember Para being so good in that game and I hope that people also remember us as being good in that game as well um, like on the weekends because we were very good. Um, a few uncharacteristic errors and things like that probably let us down, but I don't really see warning signs at the moment. It just was Parramatta had a massive point to prove and they really just put their foot on the accelerator in that second half. Um I thought the first 20 minutes of the second half, I thought we were going to run away with this because we were just maintaining all the possession, keeping all the ball up one end. We scored that try, which was which was good to you know kick off the second half as well. Um, but then Parramatta just had about 100 sets on our line and they hammered us and hammered us and got through. Um, so they were really good. Um, you know, we weren't terrible at all. I don't think it's panic stations yet at all, but obviously disappointing to lose the Battle of the West always. Yeah, it's like I I hate losing to Parramatta more than to any other team, but like at least it was a belter of a game. Like, yeah, it would have it would have felt worse to lose the game to the Gold Coast the week before because like we played yeah. poor, and I'm like at least we at least there was a performance in there, you know, because you can't win every game; it's impossible. And like at times we looked unbeatable, but yeah, you know that stuff just happens. And I think as well, you don't learn from wins. And I think we've seen so much over the past couple of years. Like we had Melbourne last year go and have that huge run of, what, 18 or 19 wins, and then they lost the prelim. And then we also, in the year before, 
won so many of our games all but that one um, against Para early the, in the year uh, in 2020 and then we lost the grand final and sometimes I think winning and winning and winning can mask issues that might be there so when there's a loss it means that this this week they'll be really focusing on what went wrong video all that kind of thing hopefully to bounce back and learn from those mistakes whereas when you win it's a lot harder to go back and be critical of yourselves even when there's room for improvement there so I don't think it's a bad thing at all, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, like I'd rather be losing round nine than the grand final. And like, did yeah. you see? Did you see how like just angry Nathan Cleary seems about that oh. loss? Oh, I was so happy to see that. Like, yeah, it makes me proud. Like seeing he was so cranky, like in the sheds, he was really looking like he was beating himself up, and then like posting on Instagram that quote about you know pretty much what we just said which is like you need the disappointments to be happy in the end yeah and like just seeing how um dedicated he is and how seriously he takes it and it sounds silly I mean it's his job of course he should take it seriously but you actually see a few examples of players that don't seem to take it too seriously and are kind of focusing on other things other than football and you can tell it is entirely his life and he's just He's not just there for a paycheck. He's there to be the best player he can possibly be. And I think we've seen that from him from the beginning. So I was really proud for him as one of our co-captains to have taken it that seriously and taken that loss on board so much um, because you just know he's going to come out this week. And, you know, he is the man was plotting revenge. You could see it. <laughs> yeah, like like he's he's in a position where he's always going to get a pay, like a big paycheck. So Of course he is, yeah. He's one where he's able to, like just dedicate all of his like commitment to rugby league and all of his decisions around it based on what like he wants to do, you know, like like what he's got the best feeling about and you can tell he just wants to win and he wants to win for Penrith. And (laughs) Jesus, like Melbourne storm, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) The one man Cleary show is going to tear you to pieces. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I would not want to be staring down Nathan Cleary when he's pulling that face, like no matter how big you no. are. <laughs> and look, and it's just just like we were unfortunate enough to play Parramatta after that loss against the Cowboys. It's never great playing a good team off the back of a loss. Um, so, you know, I think on one hand, it would be nice to not be playing Melbourne this week so we can kind of iron out those kinks, like those little issues that we might have. But on the other hand, maybe it's the best possible time to play Melbourne. So we'll see what happens. It's a way with the premiership. So jumping into the Panthers news, um, all of our coaches fell off just before the game, didn't they? We had Ivan Cleary oh, the, with an yeah, infection to his injury. knee. When yeah. I've seen yeah. mixed reports that he was at home and then some that he was in hospital. Mm. And then our assistant coach, who would have stepped up in his absence, Cameron Seraldo, was out with COVID. And so yep. attacking coach Andrew Webster had to take the range during the game. Yeah, I think there was a few people panicking when they saw Cleary out with a knee injury yeah. <laughs> um, before the game, but it was Daddy Cleary, not not Nathan. Um, yeah, you know, probably maybe Nathan, uh, Ivan's had good luck charm at Penrith. You know, he wasn't there and we lose. Um, but I think he's, I think he's, I've seen a report where he's all good and well now and he's ready to travel up to Magic Round. So um, we'll be, you know, we'll be back in business this week in terms of coaching. Yeah, it's one where I wonder if, like, say, something like that 
is just a little bit of a an unwanted distraction mm. is that like so Andrew Webster's been there this is his second season there now as a member of the coaching staff mm-hmm. and so I don't think any of these players uh, except maybe Robert Jennings when he was at the Tigers mm-hmm. have had experience of seeing um have like seeing him in a head coach role because he was the interim coach for two games a few years ago before yeah. Ivan Cleary took over at the Tigers. Yeah. And so I wonder if it's something where like players, like it's not, it's not saying that Andrew Webster's not up to it as a coach or anything, but like maybe players and stuff, everything had in their mind a thought about like, oh, I wonder what he's going to be like rather than focusing purely on what their task is going to be. Yeah. And like, I mean, you know, it's probably, yeah, not ideal for them at all. Yeah, yeah, like not making excuses for it or anything at all. But I wonder if that is something that, you know, comes into play with those sort of things because I, I genuinely don't know. Like I, I felt fine about it, to be honest, because I was like, mm, oh, well, you know, we've got, we've got the players. Like yeah, it's still not a valid reason for losing the game. No. We have all the tools there, but I just, yeah, I yeah. wonder if that included anything. And I wonder what influence um, Ivan and Ciro still had on the game. Because I think, I saw, yeah. Yeah. I saw something about like he had a, like Ivan had like a phone line to the coach's box or whatever. Yeah. Like a kind of Skype kind of thing. I think that's what yeah. um, Craig Fitzgibbon did, I think, because he had COVID for his first game with the Sharks. Yes. Um, he did, and I think he? he ended up like Skyping in or something. It's hard to say because. As this is something I think is really hard to comment on at when, as non-players yeah. because I don't really know in first grade rugby league how much of an impact what's done on the day and, and what's the week preparation. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, obviously the coach does a lot, but I couldn't tell you what that was. Like in my head, the very simplistic view on it is that coach tells when to bring people on and off and when to take the two, <laughs> um, which is probably just the tiniest fraction of what they do on the day. So yeah, it's hard to know how much of an impact that that would have would have had without being in that position um, ourselves. Yeah, like that's the thing is we have absolutely no idea because we've never been in that position, and it it's just interesting to yeah wonder about what it might have had. But like you know, yeah, if there's anyone listening who has have ever had any experience in that sort of scenario, probably thinks we are talking absolute gibberish. <laughs> Yeah, and tell us, you know, what um, what a coach does on the day that's important and what that might have, uh, you know, changed on the day for, for, for our team. Yeah, yeah, that's something where uh, we should get more things like mic'd up segments in the coaches' boxes. Definitely, yeah. Because they all be seem really slightly good. different as well. Yeah. Um, so it would be nice to see, like, exactly how each coach and each team is different, but... Yeah. I guess some teams are a bit uh, private with that stuff, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. It's silly, but you know. Yeah. Another bit of news that I forgot to include in our run sheet was it was announced today that uh, Robert Jennings has signed with the Dolphins. Yeah. Again, yeah. like, good for him. Yeah, 100%. You know? um, yeah, good for them. I'm glad to see that he's able to go and you know, find somewhere maybe he'll have a, a regular first-grade spot there if he's not going to get it at Penrith. Um, so, yeah, good for him. And maybe he'll be up there with Sean O'Sullivan. They can be friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and um, also the guy, what's his name? Katoa. The yeah, Katoa. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, or as Clarky called him today, Leota. Um, did you see oh, that? There you go. Yeah. No, I did not. Uh, he, had, he had a list Classic. of uh, the Dolphins' strongest 17 and at halfback was Isaiah Leota. Wow. There you go. Yeah, not well sure done. who that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's he's, he's a good player. Um, he's just a very solid option as a backup for us at the moment. And yeah. I think those are the kind of players that um, someone like Wayne Bennett likes to sign anyway. Yeah. Um, he, like, I think he prefers the the big name signings in the creative positions, but everywhere else, just someone who does their job. And he's exactly that. Like he fills in in multiple positions in our New South Wales cup team and performs well every week. And then when he comes into first grade, he's like probably a six out of 10 at worst. And yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a decent signing. And I'm glad for him that he's got that opportunity because he's 26 has played 65 games you know, he has a chance to, you know, reach triple digits for NRL appearances and it'll be, yeah, good for him. Yeah, I entirely agree. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's tees. Okay, the part that we don't want to get to. Friday night, Penrith Panthers mm. lost twenty-two to twenty to the Parramatta Eels. What did you make of it, Nat? Yeah, so I was watching it at home. Um, like it was a really quick, I mean, especially coming off the back of the game beforehand, the Bulldogs and the Raiders, it was just crazy watching how quick it was. Like, it was so intense. And it was very similar to the games we saw those two sides play last last year where you just almost tired even watching it um, because they're just, both teams were so quick up, you know, and, and it was just crazy. Um, I think they started really well. Um, I was happy with the first half and the first 20 minutes of the second half were excellent. Then it kind of dropped off a tiny bit. Um, I think letting team, it pretty much came down to, I'm not blaming the whole loss on Fish. It was absolutely not his fault, but he dropped the ball um, in around that 60 minute mark, I believe. And then they had possession from there and they just kept hammering us and hammering us until they scored that one try, which it was frustrating. I found those two tries, the back-to-back tries they scored because the defense was holding up so well. And then I found both of those tries fairly soft um like just little overlaps that are being allowed to be created so that was frustrating I think because we are better than that in terms of defense and I thought our defense was really going I had faith in it and then it kind of just failed a tiny bit um but yeah then look Spencer came through and scored that try at the end he's just an animal just doing you know his thing um and then I think Nathan will be ruining that attempted goal as a field goal as well because again we've seen him be better than that as well so I think that it's just little things. Like there's nothing huge that we need to worry about. Our attack was good. Our defense was good for the most part, except for those two soft tries. It was good for the most part though. I think we need to look back at errors. There are a few errors sneaking into our game this year recently. We need to just knock those out of the way. They're easy to fix, you know, the individual things, easy to fix the errors. Um, and then, yeah, on another side of things as well, Nathan probably would be... Um, doing a bit more goal-kicking practice as well. Um, he's been so reliable in the past few years with such a high accuracy percentage. It's just interesting to see it drop off a little bit since he's been injured. Um, 
So hopefully we can kind of start turning those fours into sixes a little bit more often. Um, but apart from that, it, it was it was a loss. It was disappointing. But to me, there's no alarm bells ringing at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was probably the best game we've had all year, like the NRL. Mm. And it like it sucked to lose. But you're right in that we were actually very good in this game. And it's just that Parramatta were a bit better. And yeah, it it seems to be how these games between these two teams go at the moment where like last year in the semi-final, Parramatta just didn't quite get the bounce of the ball. And this time they did literally with that Dylan Brown try. And it's one where it was just, it seemed to be a little bit of like, not, not poor play from Penrith, like things like the knock-on and individual players like that are poor, but like it just seemed to be an overall complacency for a few minutes. Yeah. And like where we seem to be like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to win this 14-10. And yeah. then they went up to 22-10 to and we had to chase the game all of a sudden. That was and, so unlike, like it was just not yeah. a nice position to be when they went up there. And, and yeah, that, that period of play after it, we were the better team after they got up 22 to 10, where we scored that quick yeah. try where it was so simple yeah. and it was lovely play by Appy to put Spencer in like that. And yeah, it was just, we were just desperate to get the ball back. And it meant that we were giving away a few six agains and stuff like that. And that's what happens when you end up chasing a game. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the kind of loss where you go, it's not the worst loss. But I don't think we'll see that loss again. No. That's one that the team will definitely learn from. And that's like such a positive to take out of what, as a Penrith fan, is a horrible result because we hate losing to Parramatta. Um, I think think, uh, Parramatta's hatred of us has probably gone up a little bit. Oh, I saw that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, But there's no doubt that we hate Parramatta more than Parramatta hates us. So it was, uh, you know, they got bigger fish to fry because just about every team in the league hates them. Um, But we, uh, that, you could tell, like, the players, the crowd, everyone hated that. And you're right, it was an exhausting game to watch. What is my computer doing? Okay, my computer's making a lot of noises. Um, (laughs) What? Okay, Uh, there we go. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, where it was it was exhausting to watch. And like yeah. I felt like I was, you know, being hit <laughs> through the heart when that happened. It sucked, but yeah. it's one where, yeah, like it's not the worst thing that can ever happen. And I can't wait for us to verse them again in I think round 20. Yeah, it's um very exciting to the prospect of that because it's just coming to the point where our like okay, so when you take away that um, outlier of the game last year when Parramatta had a lot of plays out in round 25, the past three out of the four games have been decided by two points. Like, that's crazy, you know. Um, there's very few teams that have that rivalry that continues to deliver and have those really close games. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing them again. But, God, you panic every time. It's just you know you're in for a game. And I remember, um, I remember sitting there on Friday and I – a little while ago, I think it was after we beat maybe Brisbane by 40. 
someone's like, is it boring watching them win all the time? And I was like, oh, sometimes I prefer a few close games. Oh, I was ruining those words on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I put that out into the universe? (laughs) Um, You know, I guess they're fun when you're on the the winning end of them, but it's a bit sad when you have hope up until the 80th minute and then it just doesn't happen. Um, But that's okay. Well, I think you're right in that um, when there's been so many close results recently between these two teams, eventually we're going to yeah. end up on the wrong side of one. Yeah. And yeah. my mate, Jared, who I was at the game with, who's a big listener to the show. So hi, Jared. Uh, he hi, told Jared. me <laughs> He told me before <laughs> the game that uh, Penrith have never beaten Parramatta five times in a row. Yeah. And that's held firm. So I guess we're just going to have to win the next four in a row before we lose again. You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And we both know that those next two are going to be this year, uh, later in the year yeah. and, and in the grand final. So that's all right. Absolutely. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, should we get to our three, two, ones for this game? Let's do it. Okay. I can start if you want yeah. this time. Um, so my one went to Taylor May again, um, just for the fact that, yeah, he kind of, oh, can I change that? I've decided yeah. to change that halfway through. Yeah. Um, I want to give it to Arpy. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what did he do besides score two tries? Not much. Um, um, yeah, I think I'm going to give it to um, Arpy just for, yeah, um, at the end of the game as well, when, when we needed him to, he was he was there and provided that great service for Spencer to score that try, which, you know, it could have been a leveler if we were able to sneak that two-point field goal over. Um, and I think that he's been very, very good all through this year and he's kind of gone unnoticed. Um, and I don't love the bloke, but I think fair, fair credit where it's due, he definitely does deserve um, some points because without him, we don't have the, the service that we're so used to which makes the halves job a lot easier. So my one goes to Arpy this week. Yeah, I gave, I, I well, I've got Arpy later in mind, so I'll limit my Arpy yeah. chat. Um, <laughs> yeah. I gave one point to, I, I've been flip-flopping on mm. who I give two, two and one to. And mm-hmm. I did have Taylor in mind at first because he got a double, but yeah. like there wasn't too so much else. Um, yeah. Uh, I've given one point to Viliami Kikau. Yeah, that's my two. Yeah, I I thought he was once again just quite good for us. You know, two very very different but very nice try assists for the two Taylor made tries, mm. mm-hmm. and you know that that ball that was clearly knocked back from him on the halfway yeah. line. Um, I don't know what yeah. anyone's talking about about a knock on. You guys are crazy. Um, <laughs> even though I could see it from the hill. Um, <laughs> um, I just thought, yeah, once again, another very lovely game. And I think Kikau's gotten to the point where, like, he does have, you know, errors and stuff in his game to the point that he's become underrated by the fact that everyone says that he's overrated. Yeah. But when you look at what he actually does in, when he's having a good game, he's brilliant. And he doesn't always have to be the star, but he just does his job. And yeah, I was very happy with the way he played. Yeah, me too. Um, well, he got my two points. I think Kicks this year has been a lot more consistent than what we've seen of him. I think yeah. we're used to a very rocks and diamonds sort of kick out, which we touched on last week. 
um, where he, you know, is fantastic one minute and is terrible the next. But one thing I've been impressed with um, Kick's game is that I've seen him in the past a little bit duck his head if, if he may, might make a mistake or just might not make the right decision. And then all of a sudden you have the world's worst game from him. I think he can, it's very easy for him to get into his own head. And I've noticed that kind of not happen as much this year, which I think is really, really good from him. But he's getting to the point where every time he gets the ball, I'm getting less and less scared he's going to offload it to nobody or drop it, which is great. And then I can get more and more excited about him really running it hard like he, like he has been. And I wouldn't like to – I know everyone says he's overrated all that stuff, but I, if I was an NRL player, he's one of the top five plays I wouldn't want to come up against. He's very hard to tackle. You don't know what he's going to do. Um, I think he's a brilliant player. I think it's going to be a brilliant pickup for uh, Canterbury next year. And I'm just really happy that he's having one of his best seasons in the departing season for Penrith. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely, he's quite a loss. And I think more of a loss than what we thought because mm. he didn't have, like, I think he's developed this reputation from the 2020 grand final. He had a poor game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was the fault of the team for just continually giving him the ball and hoping he'd perform yeah. a miracle when it clearly wasn't on for him. But yeah. His end of last year was also quite poor, and that's why he was coming off the bench. But he was actually very brilliant in the grand final, and he was in the conversation for potential Clive Churchill medalists for his defensive effort in that game. Yeah. And he seems to have carried that through this year, and I think it's a maturity thing, like getting over, Mm. you know, those down periods. And I think you're right that he Mm -hmm. doesn't dip his head down like he used to. Yeah. And... Yeah, like sometimes that that tip on that he did for Taylor May for his second try is one that yeah. like after that, you know, that pretty obvious knock on in the first half, that might have been one that he would just tap to the ground or that he would tap yeah. way over the sideline. But it was beautiful yeah. and it was perfect and it was what we needed in that moment. And mm-hmm. I I still see a few Bulldogs fans being annoyed that they've signed really army kick out. But Oh, if, yeah. if you put him in their team now, he's their best forward. I completely agree. I don't know why. I think he definitely does have that overrated tag and, and all that kind of thing, but he's still a very dangerous player. Um, and I think they should be excited to have him, especially. I mean, he hasn't really put much done much wrong this year. I don't know if no. everyone would still be saying that this year because he's just he seems to have grown a lot. So I don't know. I think he's they shouldn't be complaining about him. Yeah, especially when you look at the performances of some of the other players in that team. And then when you also see how key he is to how, like, look at where all our points usually are scored. It's the left-hand side. And if he's not, not, you know, scoring the trial, getting the assist or the pass before the assist, he's made the dummy run that has pulled three defenders out of position because they're all scared of him. Yeah, and I think that, Sometimes maybe what the Bulldogs fans may be like mm, about was how much they're paying for him. And I get that to an extent, um, being like, why are we spending X amount on, on, on somebody? But I actually think he'll be brilliant for them. So he just carries that danger with him that you just kind of like opposing teams just don't know what he's going to do. Um, and especially, I think he combined really well with TPJ last year. So yeah. that's probably going to be good for him to go back and link, link up again. I've kind of got an obsession with the two of them, making each other better. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else sees it, but I saw it last year. So it'd be good for them to reunite. I think they're going to be good for each other. Yeah, I think um, 
TPJ has some like factors to his game, such as his offloading and stuff that you mentioned the other week that yeah. really um, provided Viliami with something to learn from about like timing of yeah. when to do it. And then yeah. I think when Viliami arrives there next year and slots in on the left-hand side, it allows TPJ to go back to a more natural role for him because I yeah. just think that he should be playing in the front row and yeah. he should be unsettling their big men rather than trying to hit a small guy and giving away a penalty every other tackle because agree. it's a penalty machine. Yeah. And yeah. I think his qualities sometimes just become a liability on an edge. And yeah. I think Viliami Kikau is the perfect replacement to then force him back in. So yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree. I think it's a as great get for them. Yeah, I'd rather them wearing black, but, you know, I'm excited for them. Me too. Yeah. Um, so my three went to Isaiah. Um, uh, okay, yeah. He was someone who, like, I know he had that. Un- I know he dropped the ball once. Um, but up until then, I thought it was one of his best games of the year, um, especially watching at home. Every time he got the ball, he was just really just he got it at the right time and was just giving us those carries we really needed at the right time, even more so than usual, um, just storming up the field, making a whole bunch of metres as he did so. He was also, he tackled, I think he made almost 50 tackles. I think he made like 48 tackles or something like that. He was just very, very involved um, in the game. And I saw someone, I think we all maybe saw it on Twitter, um, just a Roosters fan suggesting that he should have copped um, flack for that game, which blew my mind because, yes, he dropped the ball once, but that was nothing compared to what he offered to the team that night. Um, so I think he may have also gotten a few Dallium points, I believe. I could be wrong. Did he get some Dallium points? I haven't checked that, actually. I'll be honest, I never check the Dallium points. I just wait for every week when everyone on my Twitter feed is blowing Gets up upset. about the terrible <laughs> positions. Like, I'm they- having a look because I just I saw him kind of get boosted up to second, I think. Um, hang on, I'm just going to look while we're here. Um, NRL Dally M. But yeah, if he did get them, he deserved them in my in my view. Um, I want to tell you right now. Okay, yeah, he got one point. Um, he got the only point for from a Panthers player. So yeah, I think he was awesome, and I we talk about him every week. So. Ditto. <laughs> who did the um who did the other points go to? Was it Gutherson and um, Brown? Junior Junior Paulo got three. Oh, okay. Um and Gutho got two. I'm personally surprised Papa Lee didn't get any because every time I saw him, he's on my super coach. Yeah. And like the tiniest mini part of me was like, at least he's playing well. <laughs> every time I saw him and like he would hammer us, and I'm like, oh at least that's good for my super coach. <laughs> yeah, he's so, got the kick outs about him for their team. Him. Definitely, but I also think that there are plenty of players from Parramatta that could have gotten points. So I think they're pretty fair, those votes, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, I actually mm. gave Isaiah my two points this week. Yep. Um, yeah, for all, all the reasons you said, he was he was brilliant. Oh, my God, I just realised I skipped yours. I don't know why. Yeah, Sorry. no, no, I, I, that's why <laughs> I, I didn't the jump in because I was like, oh, we used the yeah. same thing anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was great um, for all the reasons you said. He's just such an excellent player. And mm. I, has there been a week this year where we haven't included him at all? No, I don't think yeah. it has. I don't. Yeah, I can't remember it anyway. So yeah. If um, if one of the betting companies are opening up a market on the Dally Mitch medal, um, surely <laughs> surely Isaiah is the favourite at this point. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. He's just brilliant. 
Well, I gave one, uh, three points. Oh, I said one. Uh, I gave three points to Abby Corazau. Um, I good, yeah. yeah, I thought he was yeah brilliant in this game and really showed how much of an asset he is to our team. Um, it, that that ball that he laid off for Spencer Lenny for the try was brilliant, and I actually thought that despite losing the game, Penrith won the middle battle quite well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and I think every time we do he plays a massive role in that because he takes so much pressure off our forward pack in that they don't, they know that they don't have to take that hit up every single time and that he yeah. has the sneaky run in him or the clever play in him or the like, and his service on top of that is very good. Like I think, yeah. I think, I think Damien Cook and Harry Grant are probably above him in terms of quality hookers. Yeah. Um, but I would say that Cook has the best running game, and uh, but Happy Corusau has a better passing game, but not quite as good a running game. So he's a bit more, he's a bit of a better overall player, I'd say. But Cook's just a yeah. bit more elite than him, and yeah. I think it's those three that are miles above anyone else, to be honest. Yeah, and oh, hands down. Yeah. And it's like we can't underestimate how much of a loss he actually is going to be. Like, I think I think we'll be okay. Um, no matter what we do, because there's options. But yeah, it can't be understated how much of an influence he's had on this team. And especially when you look at the fact that he came in for 2020, and that's when we became good. And oh, the yes, year before yes. that, we had so many issues with Hooker because we had Egan and Katoa who had been like rising through the ranks for years, but just clearly weren't quite up to the job. And Egan's doing quite well now, but yeah, I don't think we'd be in this position now had we stuck with Egan and not gone after Coruscant. No, no Coruscant is an integral part as to why we won the premiership. Yeah. And made yeah. the grand finals like we did. You can't be ignored. Yeah. Like he has this, my favorite part of his game is, when he gets out and like he obviously he run, gets out and attacks where maybe a marker is offside or where there's just no marker at all. And if a big man tries to wrap him up quickly, he's able to like duck under them, kind of like how Brian does. Yeah. And it's such an underrated asset. And I think when you look at the hookers that maybe aren't quite up to it at some other clubs, mm. the way that, they end up losing the middle battle almost every week because of the fact that it's solely their big men that have to make ground for them. And yeah. it's, it puts so much, it also puts so much extra pressure on their playmakers, like their six and their seven and their one in that they have to be the ones who create something every play and yeah. it goes through them. And if you've got someone at a nine who can do that, it just makes the it makes it so that you get to those plays a bit quicker because it's one less pass that's required, and it takes the pressure off as well, and it allows, allows the others to play a bit more of a natural game. Yeah, yeah. Like if there's if there's nothing on, then Appy can just do something himself because he has the yeah. running game as well as the you know, the tactical game and the passing game to just exactly. do something every time. And yeah. 
yeah, he is he is starting to what he's approaching 30, if not already 30. And he's yeah, starting he to become 30, a bit yeah. more of yeah, a penalty and suspension magnet, as well as developing a few injuries. And that's why I, I understand that's why that the club didn't offer him the same amount of money that the West Tigers did. But yeah. either way, it's a great signing for the Tigers. And it's a good move for Appy to get that contract. Um, I'm with you in the camp of him not really being my favourite person. Definitely um, not. <laughs> uh, but he's probably one of my favourite players in terms of what he brings to the team. And it, his, his career reminds me of what Seguiara should have been. Yeah, yep. And those two came through at a very similar time. And it didn't it didn't happen for Coruscant straight away either because he was the second mm-hmm. choice at Souths and Penrith, mm-hmm. and then he moved to Manly where they had their struggles and then fell down the pecking order behind Finu. Um, but then he got the opportunity. Now this is pretty much the first time he's really been the first choice hooker at a contending club, and he's taken it brilliantly. And he really deserved that Origin spot last year. And I'd argue that while I don't think he will be picked for the Blues because I don't think Freddie can trust him after what happened last year in camp. No, no. I, think, I actually think the Blues team would be better suited with two hookers rather than a hooker and a utility. And It's I think a hard an, one, yeah. Yeah, like I just think that he's like Freddie sometimes struggles to get a utility into the game. Whereas, it, yeah, and it's hard because we do have such good utility options this yeah. year with both Hines and Paps. Um, and I would almost argue that Uppy's in better form than Damien Cook is right now, but yeah. I do think he stuffed it for himself last year, understandably so. Yeah, I think if he didn't uh, do what he did last year in yep, camp, or, or even, if, yep. even if he just didn't get caught doing it too, because yeah, I yeah, have no exactly. doubt that yeah. there's similar situations like this that oh, have gone we're not on naive. someone has gotten caught. But yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. But that, I mean, that doesn't excuse what he did at all. But Mm-mm, I think if that didn't happen, he'd probably be the front runner for the hooker role. I think so this year. Yeah. Like, Cookie's not setting the world on fire. Yeah. It's just that when Cookie's great, he's really great. <laughs> yeah. And he's done it. He's done his job a number of times and, you know, it's all that loyalty and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, and we're not, they're not going to lose the series based on who they pick at hooker if it's the choice of those two because they're both elite hookers. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought he was yeah, quite good in a big game for us once again. I think, I think he's underrated his performances in big games for us because yeah. the advantage that you have of having a calm head like that in the middle, I think it can't yeah. be overstated at all. Like we've seen mm-hmm. it for years with Norm. Yeah. So, yeah, he's my number one. So, what, you had Isaiah and I had Arpi. Yeah, yeah that's, that's about great, fair. Great options. Yeah. Okay, I am joined by the returning favourite, Victoria, <laughs> for a little bonus clip for her to gloat about <laughs> Parramatta's insignificant minor victory. So why are you over crying? our over why? our heroes, the Penrith Panthers? Why are you all crying if it's insignificant? I'm not crying. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're the one who's crying. I'm not crying. Why am I crying? Well, haven't you been getting around on crutches today? Oh, okay, rude. <laughs> did did you did you hurt yourself falling for me? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I hurt myself playing a Division One soccer. 
that one, I think, comes with an asterisk, correct? No. <laughs> All right, so she's a liar and a gloater. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. <laughs> what did you make of Parramatta's victory on Friday? Oh, yeah, I think they were okay. They were pretty decent. I'll give them that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that was... Uh, it's funny because, like, obviously when we were speaking on last Monday night, a week ago, I was very much, like, pro, we just haven't seen their potential yet. I think we saw their potential. And, like, obviously, yeah, we're still missing a couple players or whatnot, but um, being able to have Brown and Moses in the halves thriving together again, um, like, pushed us again in the right step. Um, And, yeah, the forwards were immense. Gutherson was, I think... I, I I don't know. I could be off the mark and it's just recency bias, but I think that was the best game I've ever seen from Gutherson. Like, he was, like, unbelievable. Like, I keep just remembering little things that he did, like, that went underrated, but that contributed to the pressure that they put on Penrith and the inevitable, like, then win. Yeah, well, I'd say, like, Gutherson was... He's probably, over the, his years at Parramatta, had some excellent performances where... He just happened to be the standout yeah. for when Parramatta wasn't as good as they are currently. Yeah, yeah. So, like, 2017, he had that, like, golden run where he really emerged as a star. Yeah. But, like, Parramatta just weren't a premiership threat like yeah. they are now. Whereas, like, I think for him to do what he did on Friday night while, like, other players also performed at a high level, like, Junior had a phenomenal game. Mm. Papali'i was insane. Like, mm. I don't think I had realised how much of a force Papali'i was until after the fact because Mm. he was so clinical and just did what he had to do. Nothing was flashy. Like, nothing was... Yeah, it wasn't, like, an extravagant try or anything like that. He just did what he had to do and went about his business. Um, And, yeah, like, really contributed to the win. But also, like, Madison had probably one of his best games he's had in a while. So, like, for Gutherson to shine as much as he did while most of the team played at a top level really showed like what he is capable of. Well, he got, he got two Dalian points from the game. Um, Junior got three and Isaiah Yo got one. Yeah. And Nat and I were saying that's probably a pretty fair reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of the game. I'd say so. Like, obviously like my bias, like I would have loved for para- three Parramatta players to walk away with points, but there was no way that was going to happen. They were never not going to give it to a Panthers player, especially in such a tight battle. Um, but I, I like upon analysis, I was like, it was going to be Junior and Gutho. Like it was, it was just which one got the three was going to be the difference. I thought, um, I thought Dylan Brown could have got a point, and I thought Madison could have got a point. Yeah. Um, just because they actually like, just because they scored tries in that game, and it's the kind of game where over the past few years tries have been at a premium. Yeah, this but, is where, like, yeah. like it's just, again, like, the the system has so many issues. Like, I wish it was one of those things where every player got a rating out of 10, something like that, because, yeah, a lot of players probably deserved a point, even from Penrith as well. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, like, a very even game, where I, you've said to me a couple times already that you think Penrith's forward pack was the better of the two forward packs. Like, they, they won the middle battle and they won the metres. Um, well, I'm not sure if they actually won the metres. But it was a case of Parramatta were actually quite clinical in that. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to do... Like, 
pretty well when you consider that Penrith conceded on average 11 points a game and you scored double that. And yeah. it's I think it's a promising sign for Parramatta with the fact that like half your backline is still injured. Yeah, exactly. And like when I said like they won the forward game, it wasn't not necessarily the forward because I would say like of all the forwards, Junior had the best game. So like yeah. in that case, but I more meant like meter wise, like yeah. because Penrith kept Parramatta in their half for God, what felt like the entire game. Yeah. Like it was just so much more of def- like the defensive pressure. Mm. And like, like I-, I remember looking afterwards, I was going, Oh, I wonder how many meters. Yeah. Like got and God and stuff like that. The meters compared between the two teams. It's such a difference. Like you looking purely at meters. If you were one of those people that only read those sort of stats. Yeah. Like you'd think like Dylan Edwards had the best game ever and that it probably was an easy win for Penrith based on the meters, but it was just because the, like the whole entire pack kept Parramatta in their half and like wouldn't allow any any meters, which is why Papali'i having like eight tackle breaks is quite an accomplishment in a game like that. Yeah, well, I think I reckon about six of them came on the one play, like <laughs> that one where Dylan just stopped him in front <laughs> yeah, of the try line. Yeah. That was such a run. But yeah, it was a very, um, very good result for Parramatta. Not yeah. so good for Penrith. Not what either of us tipped. No, we both no. had Penrith well, winning. Yeah, I, I and yeah, I had Penrith winning, even after the the teamless come out. But like on the last podcast, obviously I said Penrith thirteen plus, but that was just because I really didn't think Opechik was actually going to be back, and so I thought we were going to see poor Jacob Arthur. And yeah, obviously we'd be having a very different conversation right now. I probably wouldn't be having a conversation with you, you right now. If... I think I think it was I think it was ten all, and you said we'd be down by twenty if Jacob Arthur was playing, oh. which I think I still maintains a bit harsh. <laughs> oh, it's just oh. Although I gotta admit, like if you could watch if you watch that game and still say that Dylan Brown wasn't the option to be moved to center when they had to, you're an idiot. Like I'm sorry. He, defensively, he, he very shut good. down Crichton yeah, so many yep. times. Like he was, he was very yeah, good defensively. Because Crichton, Crichton was getting the better of Opechik on almost every occasion, and then but Brown sliding yeah, across yeah. and being there to cover him <clears throat> and is something that it's not a fault of Jacob Arthur that he doesn't have that quality, but it just means that Dylan Brown's better. Yeah, at yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think many five eights don't have that quality because, yeah. like, I like I still say that. Dylan Brown is the best defensive half in the game, and I know that gets like thrown around as a joke now, but like. Yeah, not it. He has that like instinctive coverage that maybe not every half has. Yeah, yeah, and look, I don't want to toot my own horn because um, I did say Penrith would win, but I did say it'd be about Parramatta outscoring Penrith. Which, when you look at a twenty-two to twenty scoreline, it kind of appears that way. Yeah. Although, it didn't really play like a twenty-two twenty. No, it didn't. It didn't. Um, when you think about like. 42 points scored in a game, you probably think it's a kind of a low-quality game. But yeah, it actually wasn't. It was just they, – some of them were just like – no, I'm not going to say lucky tries, but like – because I guess at the end of the day, you do make your own luck. But mm. I can't sit here and say Dylan Brown's try was pure talent. Like that was no, – like but... it, it was a lucky bounce realistically. Yeah. But also, yeah, like it was a good kick and then it was defensive pressure that then – you got to take care of you got yeah. to you got to then get on the end of that yeah. fortunate event happening. Yeah. And I said earlier to Nat that with how close these games have been over the past few years and the fact that Penrith had won four of them in a row, it felt like Penrith 
got the bounce of the ball on all of those occasions. Yeah. And this time, it Parramatta just, yeah, literally got the bounce way. of the yeah. ball. Yeah. And but but again, it get like we you didn't see it until towards the end of the game because it was like that like pressure vault where it finally burst. Oh, it's the moment that broke. Yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, because it just went like bam, yeah. bam. It was Madison it was, and then straight after. And you look at like Parramatta's tries. There was, I think the ball got offloaded to Gutherson, who then gave it to Madison. Yeah. And then the first try was a great offload to Gutherson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god, that was so good. And it's about those moments. Yeah. In the game, and even like the like the no try, like I have to I have to give him credit. That wasn't a phenomenal kick from Sean Lane. Oh yeah. For a yeah. Parham, and like yeah, his foot was on the line or his knee went out, whatever. Um. But yeah, like that was such a. Like, that was so good. It was just, it was one of those things where kind of from that moment, you could tell it was going to be one of those games where it was like, okay, well, maybe like the bounce of the ball and like that sort of thing might be on their side because I swear any other night he boots that out and it's a seven, seven tackle oh, seven. Oh, mate, any other night he probably <laughs> misses the kick. He yeah. has an air swing and drops it. And Crichton picks it up and runs the yeah. length of the field. Um, Yeah, our second rowers were the best kickers in the game, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, our field goal kickers weren't very good. Um, well, yours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good result for Parramatta. How are you feeling yeah. about this week? Um, I don't know. I'm. Who have you got, firstly? Roosters. We've okay. got the Roosters. Ooh. So, okay. yeah, I, I think, like, it's a bit of a tricky one because I do fear that, as much as I love it, Magic Round in 2022 could affect a couple of games because we're the second last game and Queensland is due to receive a lot of rain and I'm worried about six games taking place on the field mm. in in short like concession concession what's the phrase succession um, six, yeah there we go um concession oh they're getting in for cheaper yeah, they? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, all, they all go to school yeah. um yeah I'm worried about like what the field will be like what the weather will be like stuff like that Mainly because, like, yeah, then I'm worried about injuries within that and stuff like that. But I think, if I'm completely honest, I don't really know what to expect with the game because I just don't know what to expect from the Roosters this year because there is a part of me that's still going, I don't trust this. I don't trust they're, that they're that bad because it's the Roosters. Like, I know last week Nat said she put a cross through the Roosters, but I don't. I just don't. I don't put a cross mm. through... Um, I put a cross through them for the premiership, but not like individual no, games. I still don't. I still don't. Because it's Trent Robinson and like, like Tedesco isn't a bad player. And like he, we saw it last yeah, week. He's, like, he's all right, isn't he? <laughs> like he does still have, like he still has it, obviously. Um, and yeah, I think they are still that type of team that can find some magic and they can make magic out of nothing. And I really hope I'm not now setting up some poetic Thing up for Magic Round. Right, that's where, why I yeah. looked at you like yeah. that. Just then. I, was, I thought you were doing that on purpose. No, 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 no. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit worried, but I feel like, yeah, obviously Parramatta beating Penrith, coming off a bad loss and previous loss of to the Tigers and all that sort of stuff, this week it's come out where it's like, okay, well, why is it that this team can beat both Melbourne and Penrith at their homes but can't beat the Tigers <laughs> at a packed combank. Like, what is it? What's going on? And it is that sort of thing of do they go into games with a poor mindset sometimes? And 
people have um and odd about it for a while, but I think this has got to be proof now that they go into games expecting to win yeah, and then yeah. they play catch up and panic. So I'm just really, really hoping that they've looked at this game and gone, okay, that was our like preview of a grand final. Like that's what we can do. Now let's keep it up for the rest of the year. Let's not look at a team that we think is soft, go out there expecting a soft game and then get destroyed because well, not that the Tigers destroyed Parramatta, but it felt like that because it should have been, it shouldn't have been like that. They were destroying you at points in that game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first like 20 minutes will tell everything with that game. I think, I think in, I, I think that's a very good point about the weather. And I think that means it'll be a more sort of dour affair. Yeah, yeah. And I think that lends towards the the Eels winning because mm. I think your defence is better. Well, and, like, I, like, they've proven that they can play in wet weather. Like, that, yeah. it doesn't affect them, but obviously it does, you know, there is, like, some sort of effect, but they can win in wet weather. Yeah. I just hope, yeah, the field's not too destroyed. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens and... Yeah, where Parramatta go from this? Because we've seen them reach these heights mm. over the past couple mm, of years. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's just about what they do from now on, I guess. Yeah, hey? yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We will literally see. We'll yes, be we will see, yes. Very fun. Well, thank you for joining me no for that, worries. Victoria. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Back to our scheduled programming. Bye. Okay, on to today's discussion point. We thought we'd talk about the recent send-offs in the NRL and well, some of the send-offs, some of the non-send-offs mm. and what we think of them. Like, because there were incidents on the weekend, like Will Kennedy got sent off, whereas a couple of weeks ago for a very similar tackle, it was just a penalty for Daniel Tupo. Uh, what do you make of all of it, Nat? I think like... It's actually really disappointing for me, like hearing commentary around it, especially from people like employed by Channel 9, like suggesting that it's soft to send them off or that it, you know, play on, get over it. It's no drama. Um, Because we've seen not too long ago what can happen when a tackle goes wrong with Alex McKinnon. And that particular tackle as well wasn't even too sinister. So, you know, you shudder to think of what can happen if we continue to allow tackles, like especially like the Lorden tackle, which was so dangerous, so clearly dangerous, um, continue to happen. And there's just so much of a focus right now that I'm seeing of that's focusing on the game and the outcome of the game. And is it going to ruin the game? Does it mean that a team can't win? You know, and that is not important when it comes down to the safety of the players. We've seen someone in the NRL go from being an NRL rugby league player to being a quadriplegic, sorry, a paraplegic, I believe. And it completely changes your life. It's not something that you'd wish on anybody. Um, And we need to make sure that we need to protect that from happening. And I think the NRL as the employer has a duty of care towards, to all those people that are playing in the NRL. And as an employer with your duty of care, This is from a legal perspective as well. You can't afford to be reactive. You have to be proactive. So if you just sit back and wait for something to go wrong and then change the rules from then, you're going to land yourself in trouble because you haven't done the appropriate risk assessments as to what could go wrong, what we can do to prevent this from happening. Whereas if you are proactive, which is what they're doing now, 
which is if you go and do a tackle that's outside of the rules to the extent that these tackles are completely reckless and they're very dangerous, you're off straight away. That to me is being sufficiently proactive to try and deter players from doing it to the point where if it was to happen, they sit there and they have lists of all the times that they've sent players off for doing the same thing to show that they were doing everything in their control to make sure it doesn't happen. And that's why it's so important to continue to do that. So I think I've seen some examples today where they're saying, why don't you just have someone go off and then they get replaced after 10 minutes. So it's kind of like a sin bin sent off hybrid. Like that to me is not good enough because it's not enough of a deterrent on your team to ensure that doesn't happen with the players within that team. Yeah, I think when you look at this year, there have been three send-offs. It was Mitch Barnett for his hit on Chris Smith. There was Carl Lawton for his tackle on Cam Murray and then Will Kennedy for his tackle on Reese Walsh. All of them are send-offs. Every one of those times, the referee made the right decision. But every single one of those times, we've had people trying to argue the decision and they are just completely wrong. Like with the yep. Mitch Barnett situation, who was it? Was it Joel Kane that was using like a clip of one of the Hemsworths getting scared on the Ellen show to show that maybe he was spooked and so threw silly. his elbow up? Yeah. Which is one of the most yeah. ridiculous things I've ever heard. And then yeah. it was it was somehow made to look less ridiculous by Gus and Freddie arguing that Carl Lawton shouldn't have been sent off for his tackle on Cam Murray, which was one of the most obvious yeah. send-offs I've ever seen. Like, Cole Lawton, it was clearly a tackle gone wrong. But when you put a player in that position, it's a send-off. And you cannot use the excuse that just because they didn't get hurt. Because all three of these tackles that we've seen could have come with absolutely horrific consequences for the the player that got hurt, that got tackled. And it's almost a miracle that all three of them are okay. Yeah. And, like, like, because Chris Smith could have, like, shattered his jaw. Uh, Cam Murray could be in a wheelchair and then God knows what could have happened to Reese Walsh. Like he could have had his like face smashed in as well. And like, what do they, what do they think should be a send off if they don't think these things should be? Because I didn't listen yeah. to the whole clip of the channel nine commentary on it. I, mm. I only watched it up to the bit where they initially showed the tackle and then the replay and the commentators were speculating that it could be a send-off, but apparently they were also arguing after it that it shouldn't be. And when are they going to learn what is and isn't? Because they're almost failing in a duty of care as well because they have a very prominent voice in the public because I dare say when there's a Channel 9 game on, more people are probably watching Channel 9 than KO because not everyone has pay TV services in Australia. It's just not as common as it is in other countries. And it's absolutely ridiculous the way that they carried on with it. And like, I, I actually find it dumbfounding. And then when people use the argument that it ruins the contest of the game, so what, we should just let players get away with things because it might make the result be decided already. And it's like, that's so ridiculous. dumb. We literally saw on the weekend how it, the Sharks won convincingly. Yeah. Like, I've seen in pretty much every game this year that's involved a send-off has been relatively close. You know, it's it's so crazy to me how you're more upset with a game being ruined than someone potentially being paralysed for the rest of their life. Like, that is just crazy to me. And we need to remember that that's what can happen. 
Um, and I think that just gets lost in so many of these arguments. Who cares? Like they're saying, what if it's a grand final? If my player is dumb enough to go, and these tackles aren't line ball. They're not like, oh, you know, maybe he slipped. They are flat out ridiculous tackles that need to be stamped out of the game. And if my player is dumb enough to do that in a grand final and my coach is, you know, um, leaning enough with them to allow them to think that's a plausible thing to do, then we don't deserve to win that grand final. And if we lose by way of that tackle, so be it. Yeah, like there has to be consequences for these dis- like these tackles. And I'm actually yeah. more than happy for the consequences to be over the top because that's how you get a deterrent. And people exactly. using yeah. people using the grand final example is a bit strange to me anyway because we don't see those happen in grand finals because players in grand finals are a bit smarter than that. You only yeah. see it happen in meaningless games in the middle of the season. Like when yeah. is there when has there ever been a tackle like that in like modern times in a grand final? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's the there's the old day examples of like Scott Sattler's jaw and that, but that was in the yeah. thuggish days of rugby league when exactly. it was just a fight and there was a ball in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And you just do not see that now. And the fact that some people like were I saw arguments yesterday that yeah, because Tupo didn't get sent off or simbinned that Will Kennedy shouldn't. And it's like, but you were the same people that were arguing that Tupo should have been sent or Simbin. Like, I remember when, when I think I mentioned it after it happened on the pod, that when the Tupo tackle happened, I thought it wasn't that bad. But then I looked at the mm. replay and, like, I was wrong. Like, mm. I, didn't, I didn't go off and off and off online or on, you know, a broadcast or anything about it because I was wrong. And yeah. I don't see why these people can't admit that, maybe they were wrong about it or maybe they're behind yeah. the times because it, frankly, it's ridiculous. It is. And I think, yeah, it's, it's okay to initially hold a view and then watch it a few times and be like, mm, maybe wasn't right on that one. And I'd rather err on the side of caution. Do you know what I mean? Like I would rather a tackle be sent off that maybe shouldn't have been than to have it the other way around. The Tupo tackle should have been sent off. And I think people now using that as an example as to why the tackles that are like that shouldn't be sent off is completely wrong. Like you can't, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Do you know what I mean? Like just because one didn't get sent off doesn't mean that then you don't send off any others that are like that and it's okay. Instead, we should be writing that wrong and saying, okay, we need to go hard. Every referee needs to know that anything like that needs to be sent off and that one itself should have been sent off as well. Um, and I think, yeah, as long as we get that consistency up, that's that's fine. But to me, every single decision of a send-off this year has been bang on. I do think last year when we were seeing send-offs and Simbin's like magic round was that was literally insane. <laughs> like I think we had at some stage like attacking players who would like slid into like arms or used it used an arm to fend yeah, being sent off for Simbin. <laughs> yeah. And that was like so crazy. But I really think they've cleared that up from from that point on. And I actually haven't had a problem at all with any of the Simbins or send-offs this year. I think it's been fine. Yeah, like if if what happened last year at Magic Goal was uh, Magic Round was like their end goal, mm. then yeah, okay. That's <laughs> but you got to build. Yeah. We, like you got to you got to at least build to it. You can't just do it overnight because what yeah, they did yeah. was they they very quickly shrunk the the tackle like target for players, and yeah. that actually creates just another hazard because it then puts defenders at risk of putting themselves in the wrong position. Like yeah. you said, like you had NRL saying, like, we'll just tackle low. 
Well, what happens when yeah. you're trying to tackle Josh Papali'i and he's got his knees yeah. r- raising into the air and you cop one to the head and you get knocked out? And so exactly. that showed, and- yeah, that showed the issues last year. But this year, I think you're right. They've been fine. And like, like you said about the legal standpoint, you have to protect the head and the neck. That's why you have crusher penalties now. And unfortunately, you have players milking them. But the fact is you can't put pressure on a player's neck. And then you have yep. the HIA. And, you know, sometimes there are a few incidents with, particularly this year with the independent doctor in the bunker, where maybe they might missee something and a player will be sent off for a head injury assessment when they didn't need one. But mm. it's better than in the old days when you had knocked out players running around on the field. Like, I don't know about you, but if I, whenever I see like a clip of something like that now from an old game, I actually feel uncomfortable. Mm. Yes, same. It's awful. Yeah. I hate that that was like the, the vibe that was okay last back then. Yeah. And like you look at the NFL had that billion dollar lawsuit. If that happens to the NRL and it's feasible, if they stopped, if they didn't protect the head and the neck, then there'd be no more NRL. Like, well, we'd have a lot I more can't to explain about. how serious, like, honestly, from a legal perspective, I can't explain how serious it is, the consequences, um, not just around CTE, but if they're, I, I think when it comes to like the Alex McKinnon incident, for example, I think the um, potentially the saving grace for the NRL is that the tackle itself wasn't reckless. Yeah. Looking back on it, um, I think it was so unfortunate and sometimes that can happen as well. Like sometimes most innocuous of tackles can lead to the worst things happening but it wasn't like the tackle that um, led to the tragedy with Alex wasn't like the ones that we're seeing now. It wasn't like that pile driver kind of spear driving kind of thing that we saw with Cameron Murray, for example. Um, so like that's an example where the NRL could probably say it was something that it would have been very hard to guard against because it was almost like a freak accident. Um, but the play, the tackles that we're seeing these days, like the tackle that we saw the Lawton tackles in particular, you could not sit back and say that was a freak accident. You know, like it's accidental if they get injured, but the technique in the tackle itself is not accidental. So they would have a very, very difficult time getting themselves out of that one if they were sued after someone was injured during during that tackle. Um, and I think that's why it's so important that they show that they do take it seriously and they send these plays off when they do something like that. Um, because if they don't, and they just take a seat, a seat back and just kind of wait for someone to get hurt and then decide they're going to go seriously on these tackles, that's not good enough as an employer. That is not living up to your duty of care for those um, playing in your sport. So it's really serious for the NRL. And, I mean, I don't think they should even be – I don't think they are entertaining the idea of taking that away, but this is a big reason why they can't. From a legal perspective, it would be completely idiotic of them. Yeah, it's, it's the same as, like, punches and shoulder charges. They're never coming back. And to be honest, they shouldn't come back. Because you look at something like the shoulder charge, it's a reckless, stupid tackle that, I mean, usually doesn't work out that well for your team because you give away a quick play the ball anyway because you haven't wrestled them to the ground. But it's also so dangerous. Like when you're driving your shoulder in like that with force and not controlling the tackle and people still get up and cheer when they see a shoulder charge and it's ridiculous. And it has just like the lifting tackles and the coat hangers and that it has no place in the game. And I don't understand why people think that we're going to go, want us to go backwards to that because you know, like what 
back in the so-called glory days, it was a game for thugs and it's a better game yeah. now. Rugby league wouldn't have survived through to now if it kept being like that. There was a reason they made that change decades ago. And like and you I look think- at, well, you look at everything, like, like scrums. Penrith yeah. had a player, John Farragher, who broke his neck mm-hmm. in a scrum and never walked again. And then they changed the yeah. way scrums were. And we haven't had mm-hmm. one like that in a scrum since as far as, like, as, far as I know. Yep. And then the lifting yep. tackle, they got even stricter on it and there hasn't been a yep. McKinnon-style injury since. Exactly. Like, that is, the, that is the long and short of it. And they're making the game safer. And for me, it is not worth these men losing the quality of their life from 40 onwards so we can have a spectacle. And I think they're clued into that as well. There's also a lot more technology around these days that uh, enables us to see the long-term effects from these things um, that they didn't maybe have back in the day. Similar to like smoking. Everyone thought smoking was fine, you know, <laughs> like not too long ago. And then all the science came out and all the um, studies came out about how bad it was for you and now people know. As the world progresses, we have more technology to see how these tackles and continual head knocks, concussions, things like that, can lead to serious problems down down the end. So I also agree with their new kind of concussion rules in that they're seriously looking at forced retirements for players if they have too many concussions, things like that. It's kind of protecting them from themselves. So the NRL, I think, are doing everything they can in terms of player safety at the moment. And whilst some people might be saying it's ruining the game, it's ruining the spectacle, I personally would much prefer the spectacle we have at the moment, which is still fantastic and it's brutal and some of the hits are massive, but they're legal. And it means that the plays that we're watching now and that we idolise and that, you know, young kids have as their heroes are not going to have their life ruined from age 40 because of the effects of CTE or because they can't walk or because of, you know, any any particular reason. So I really don't think it's an argument, to be honest. Yeah, like when you look at the long-term effects of things like concussion that it has on people, like you've, you've referenced CTE, And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's something at the moment that they can't diagnose until after a person dies. But you've Mm -hmm. seen examples of uh, US athletes who had just absolutely lost it, unfortunately, due Mm -hmm. to what was then diagnosed as CTE after they did something drastic and ended up dying as a result of it. And I don't get how people can be ignorant to that or be fine with that just as long as they get a bit more of what they consider to be entertainment because rugby league, no no matter what people say, rugby league is the most entertaining it has ever been at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, it took a little step back this year. It's a lot better and it doesn't have to be this game of like thuggish scumbags ripping into each other. There's, there's obviously a little bit of room for brutality and we saw it in a very fair manner when you look at, say, the Penrith Parramatta game the other night. And yeah. then you saw it, sometimes it will tip over the edge. Like, unfortunately for Latrell Mitchell, he got in a lot of trouble for a hit he did on Joey Manu. Yeah. And that there's, there's the two sides to it, where as long as you punish those correctly, like they did with Latrell at the time and like they have with the three send-offs this year, then you're not going to get those sour incidents in the game and it's you know there's been a lot of people just trying to say that they should have stayed on the field but the fact is they shouldn't have Mm. and you know us on this show we're saying you know the nrl did the right thing yeah i agree there's yeah 
there's no 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 contest on that one yeah and it's not often we say that either <laughs> yeah i know you gotta take the wins when they can yeah kudos nrl for once <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Nat, do you know what week it is in Rugby League? It's Magic Round. It sure is. And the game of the round, no doubt, will be happening at mm. 7.45 on the Saturday night. It is the Melbourne Storm versus the Penrith Panthers. What are it you is. looking forward to in this? Oh, I'm so nervous. I've, like, cleared my schedule. <laughs> I'm not doing anything that night. I'm, sit I'm not going to Magic Round, as we discussed, but um, I want to sit at home and watch this one um god where do you start um, i'm looking to see a bit of a bounce back this week obviously a bit of a disappointing loss for us last week um so i'd love to see how we kind of respond to that i hope it's going to be a very clinical game i hope not to see very many errors and penalties given like i just want to kind of flow and just keep that kind of quick pace going um loved brian last week i thought he had a really really good game back i actually even considered him for my three two ones just because his impact was instant and then you just like i miss that man um even that try that he scored which i actually still think should have been a try like that would have been such a good way for him to kind of come back so i'm excited to see him again um play again and and kind of show us more of what he's got there but um the spines going at it are going to be insane, you know, like such informed spines at the moment. Um, Melbourne are just going so well at the moment. So, yeah, look, I'm very excited. I kind of hope Pappenhausen is, I don't think he'll play this week, it seems. I kind of hope he does because I would love to see him even match up and we're pretty injury-free at the moment in Seoul, Melbourne. So it'd be kind of cool to see those like full-strength sides, but I don't think we'll see him. Um, but it's just, I mean, what can you say? It's going to be amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to firstly, to be there, not to rub it in. Sorry. Um, but just, <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to, yeah, to be there watching what is just going to be a great game. And mm. I think you're right about the influence that Brian had coming back into the game and not to mention Leota as well. He was actually yep. quite good too. To see those two now with a game under their belts, to be a little bit closer to actually being fit enough to play and to see what our team can do on yeah the bounce back because you know they're not going to be happy about what happened the other night and they really don't like the Melbourne Storm from what we've seen. Oh, we've seen that for sure. Yeah. And like other than the Parramatta game, this is the most brutal game that our boys play in terms of just getting in there and just whacking people legally, of course, yeah. like we just talked about. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I'm so excited for this. Uh, it, it is genuinely interesting about Pappenhausen, whether he'll play. I don't think he will because, I mean, like I guess mid-year, mid you don't really want to risk a hamstring injury because that can come back to bite them. And yeah. then I believe Remus Smith is also out. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I hope, I hope if they're not there, I hope it doesn't take anything away from the contest. Yeah. Who, who would Melbourne's um, fullback option be? Cause they don't have Nico Hines anymore. That's a good question. Maybe, maybe Cameron Munster and like, Cooper Johns comes into um, the halves. 
Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'd be more than happy with that. Um, or maybe I'd be very um, pleased with that. Maybe Jaden Nikarima. Either way, I'm I'm, you know, I'm cool with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Watch them watch them put bloody Brandon Smith there, and he gets a hat trick or something like that because he can just play anywhere. Just to spite us, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to just to rub it in a little bit more. Um, not the biggest fan of him. Um, <laughs> no, we don't like him. No, no. Um, <laughs> not one bit. Uh, yeah, that it'll it's going to be a great game, and I'm glad that Magic Round has this game because I think. Oh, me too. Yeah, I think if you look at the fixtures that Magic Round has had over the years, it's actually been like pretty mediocre. Um, yeah, I was even thinking to myself, like I was having, I have a little tiny bit of PTSD in respect of Magic Round because I think it was 2019. It could have been the year before, but we played. Uh, 2019 the was Tigers. the first year. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, we played the Tigers. And I remember I was at home and I'm like, I'll just duck out to KFC to get some dinner. I'll come back. And by the time I came back, it was like 20 minutes in and it was like 20 nil to yeah. the Tigers. And that was my first memory of Magic Round. So <laughs> there's a bit of PGSD Magic Round there. Um, but I think last year we won against the Titans, did we? We did, yeah. And then there was no Magic Round 2020, was there? Correct, yeah. So Yeah. So there we go. We're one and one. <laughs> I had quite a similar experience for Magic Round 2019. Um, I was going out to, I was house sitting for someone with my friend and we yeah. went out to go to dinner and we were going to miss kickoff, but we knew there'd be TVs where we were going to get dinner. So we like could yeah. watch the game. And yeah. I got to the seats and I saw that the score was, yeah, about 20 nil. And I sat. I still sat in a seat where I could see the game, but I barely looked up at the game again because it was awful. And it was, I actually, it got better. Like it got a bit better, but yeah. it wasn't good. But I actually didn't watch any other game from Magic Round that year because I was like, no, nope, I hate this. You know. Yeah. Um, but then it yeah, was 20- really horrible. Yeah, then 2020, we didn't get to have one, obviously, because of the way the season was reshuffled. Um, well, the season didn't come back until the 28th of May anyway, so it missed it. Yeah, so it kind of just was like a we caught the yellow and didn't have it. Yeah, and then 2021, yep, yeah, I was I was up there for that one where we beat the Titans. And yeah. it was it was a it was a fun game, but it was kind mm. of like that example where someone asked you if it gets a bit boring, where it did. Because it was yeah. the final, it was the final game um of the whole round, and no one really yeah. cares about the Titans. So a lot of people left. Um, pretty yeah. much every neutral left. And it was such a smashing that by the end, the whole crowd, we were singing, um, uh, Hey baby. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cause it played after one of the tries and yeah. I was like, we, we really don't care about the result. And I think we got to, I think we got to like 46 points before they scored a try and stuff like that. And I'm just looking forward to there being a very good game. Cause I don't think there has really, I think there's been, iconic moments at magic round but i don't think there's really been a great standout game i completely agree um yeah. so hopefully we can change that <laughs> yeah i think it'll also be interesting um i think there might be some merit this week in us running a bench with four forwards like Instead i just of think, utility. yeah i just think this is the kind of game where we could maybe use that yeah i understand that yeah like i think and because, you know, Sorensen should hopefully be back and, you know, Leota is back and then mm. neither one of Lenu or Eisenhoof really warrants being dropped, I think. Yeah. 
No, I agree. And I think if we had, like, yeah, Eisenhuth, Lenu, and Sorensen on the bench, and maybe Salmon drops out, I think that'd just, I think that'd just help us out a bit more, because, like, especially for this um, fixture, because I don't see how we bring Salmon into the game effectively against the Storm. I agree. I I, I think he's been struggling to really be injected so far. Um, and yeah, I think the storm game is going to be changing that. Yeah, and I think I felt sorry for him, but he was he was I thought he was quite poor in his stint the other night. And I'm not saying we drop him just on that basis, but I think the fixture, yeah, in general, I think it's more suited to those three. And then maybe, I mean, take your pick out of Sony Luke and Mitch Kenny. Like I'd be happy for Mitch Kenny for the the forward utility basis, but I understand that you may want. Sony Luke to just bring a bit of spark off the bench. And I don't yeah. think Salmon's capable of that in the same way that Luke is. I agree. I'm, I'm keen to see because Sony didn't play on the weekend, did he? Mitch Kenny. No, he there. played Cup. Yeah. And then Mitch That's Kenny right. only played like I, eight minutes. So yeah, he didn't play very long. I would like to see Sony back. I like him. Um, and I would like to see him play again. Yeah, no, I'd I'd be very happy to see Sony. See see what he can do in a real test as well. Um, because they they clearly see a future in him and it'd be nice to yeah. see what he can do against I mean the toughest opposition the that we're going to play yeah yeah what better way totally is there agree. to test yourself yeah there's not there's no better way so yeah completely agree and this is another fixture where if we were to lose not the end of the world um because you know a lot of teams lose to both Penrith um, I think well, a lot of teams do lose to Penrith a lot of teams lose to both Parramatta and Melbourne I think like what's stressful a little bit is the fact that like I don't want to lose two in a row and I don't want to lose to Parramatta and Melbourne because I don't want yeah. to be flat track boys. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's like the most biggest shame in the NRL to me <laughs> to be a yeah, flat track bully. I don't want to be a flat track bully. No, so I'm a bit stressed about that. Um, but um, yeah, I really would prefer not to lose for that reason. I think there's a little bit out of maybe potentially some added pressure there because of that. Um, but look, it does not mean we're going to lose the premiership if if we lose this game in any sense of the word. Um, but yeah, no, it's a bit stressful. Well, it is also um, it's also bold statement bacon time because what bold happened last time? Bacon. Yeah, what's what happened last time we versus <laughs> Storm at Suncorp? We won. Exactly, we got through the grand final. That was the bold statement the bacon game. Yeah. That was the best thing that's ever happened on the planet. Yeah, that, <laughs> that were good sports, to be honest. Yeah. That good was, on you guys, Melbourne. Did you? That was the, uh, that game itself was the biggest highlight that there has ever been at Suncorp Stadium. Oh, aside from the next oh. week. Yeah. It was a time to be alive, let me tell you. Yeah. And uh, no one can ever argue that. Uh, no origins or anything. No, completely yeah. agree. <laughs> You're listening to the Big Cat Chat podcast on the Sports Best Friends Network. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.
Well, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Big Cat Chat. If you'd like to follow us, you can find us on Instagram at Big Cat Chat and on Twitter at Big Cat Chat Pod. Uh, feel free to leave us any feedback or whatever, uh, as long as you're nice to us. Um, <laughs> my name is Jack Martin. I've been joined by Nat Sinclair. And thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your magic round. Sounds perfect. Okay. Let's see how well T edits this in. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.